This is Valaris, I explained. The city of starlight. His throat bobbed. And you are High Lady of the Night Court. Indeed, she is. My blood stopped at the voice that drawled from behind me. At the scent that hit me, awoke me. My friends began smiling. I turned. Rhysand leaned against the archway into the sitting room, arms crossed, wings nowhere to be seen, dressed in his usual immaculate black jacket and pants. And as those violet eyes met mine, as that familiar half-smile faded, my face crumpled. A small, broken noise cracked from me. Reese was instantly moving, but my legs had already given out. The foyer carpet cushioned the impact as I sank to my knees. I covered my face with my hands while the past month crashed into me. Reese knelt before me, knee to knee. Gently, he pulled my hands away from my face. Gently, he took my cheeks in his hands and brushed away my tears. I didn't care that we had an audience as I lifted my head and beheld the joy and concern and love shining in those remarkable eyes. Neither did Reese as he murmured, my lover, and kissed me. I'd no sooner slid my hands into his hair than he scooped me into his arms and stood in one smooth movement. I pulled my mouth from his, glancing toward a pallid Lucian, but Rhysan said to our companions without so much as looking at them, Go find somewhere else to be for a while. Welcome to the House of Wind Book Club. I'm Hannah. And I'm Amber. This is a fan podcast where we discuss our current book obsession. We're going to break down chapters, characters, themes, and, let's be honest, gossip about our theories relevant to the magical, fairy-filled lands of Prithian. Just so you know, this podcast will contain spoilers and is explicit. We swear and we talk dirty. If you don't get worked up over the phrase, grab the headboard, or... Hello, Farrah darling. Then proceed with caution. We hope you enjoy being a part of our book club. Stay smutty. Reunited and it feels so good. Reese and Farrah together like they should. <laughs> I had to clarify because we're not reunited, but Reese and Farrah are. Yes. Next time we record, however, we will be be reunited. We will be. I'm so excited. Hannah's already in Minnesota. For I am all of our Minnesota listeners. Maybe we'll have to do if there's enough of you or any of you in Minnesota. We could do like a little Minneapolis meetup. We have a pretty good listener base in Minnesota. uh, Per our like downloads. It gives me a map mm-hmm. of where everyone listens, and there are quite a few listeners in Minnesota. So maybe we can find like a place to meet up or something and do a, a bookish hangout sesh. That would be so much fun. I think that'd we be great. Do that. Okay, we'll get we'll get that in the works. <laughs> uh, so many fun back things to, coming. We do. Oh my gosh, this is the summer of fun. <laughs> the summer of fun in Minnesota. 
Yes. <laughs> well, guys, welcome back to another episode of House of Wind Book Club. We're getting into more of Aka War. <sighs> My God. Tis juicy. <laughs> Very juicy. Um, just some quick housekeeping before we get into the episode. Um, don't forget to check out your opportunity to get a free month of Audible, um, as well as a free title. Check that out at www.audibletrial.com slash House of Wind Pod. On my way out to Minnesota, I had a 30-hour drive, so I listened to Crescent City 2 the entire way, and it made my trip go so fast. Uh, so that's definitely a book that you should check out on Audible. The narrator is incredible. Yeah, I, I second that. I'm listening to it right now. I'm still listening to it. Um, and it's, it's really, really good. Like the different characters, the accents, the, it (laughs) provides like another layer of depth for sure. For sure. It does. She, She does such a great job. Um, also check out our Patreon. We have, speaking of summer of fun, we have a lot of really cool stuff lined up, um, for this summer. So check that out. Uh, the link to that is in the show notes. And also if you go over to our Instagram, um, you can find that link there. Um, yes. In either July or August, it just kind of depends how the cookie crumbles, but in the future, we've, we've touched on this before, but we are going to do... (laughs) A Patreon episode where we talk about our favorite spicy scenes, our favorite sex scenes. And to talk about those things, they're diving, we're diving into different books. So for our Patreon members, if you're interested, all of these books that we're recommending, while most of them are relatively short reads, um, if you want to understand the sex scenes that we are going to be talking about, We'll post this on the Patreon as well, but also for all of our listeners, these are the books that we have some of our favorite spicy sex scenes. Phantom by Greer Rivers. Rouge by Greer Rivers. Mind you, those are like retellings of Phantom of the Opera and Moulin Rouge. So if you're a musical person, read them anyway. Um, Oh, yeah. From Blood and Ash. That's a a tall ask for you to read that if you haven't started it. Um, If you've read it already, great. If you haven't, you know... I mean, obviously, read it. We love it, but oh yeah, that's not necessarily something you're going to finish in a few months or in a month. Um, and then the last one is "Perfect Strangers" by J.T. Gessinger, and we've talked about that one before too. But you will read that one in one day. I read that in like yeah. one sitting. <laughs> I yeah. stayed up so late reading that book. Oh my Good god! Stuff. Yeah, we got to we got to work amazing. on our House of Wind after dark. <laughs> It is about to get smutty. Yeah, that's gonna be it's gonna be so fun and so exciting. (laughs) Yes. Also, really quick. Mm -hmm. Oh, I I also just wanted to remind you guys, um, while it's the beginning of the episode, to uh, click pause or while you're listening, just go um, give us a rating and a review. If you're on Apple, writing a review is always nice. We really like to hear your thoughts about the show. Um, and then also just leaving us, you know, five stars if you in, enjoy our show and letting people know why they should hang out and be a part of our community. Um, we appreciate you guys. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's dive in. <laughs> Let's do it. Last episode. Last episode. 
Lucian and Farah made a run for it. They ran out of the Spring Court territory and into Autumn Court territory to head mm-hmm. toward their mates in the Night Court. They're still poisoned, trying to sleep it off. In a cave, mind you, uh, but woke up to a fun little meetup with the autumn douchebags, which is my new favorite term for them. Autumn um, douchebags. <laughs> I love that. Um, Lucian and Farah fight their way out, collapsing the cave ceiling in on Lucian's brothers, and they find themselves in a winter hike for their lives. Uh, they are freezing their little tushes off and the next morning they wake to cross a frozen lake and as they're crossing it they're like i hope we're out of winter soon this sucks and they look back and eris has his hand of flames melting the ice that they're standing on (laughs) again lucian and farah are running for their lives and not only they're dodging arrows while simultaneously landing only on patches that Farah is spurting out of her hands like Frozone until <laughs> Aaron. That's just like such a comical. It's not a funny time, but like no. that image in my head is very comical. <laughs> picturing picturing her as Frozone, and then every time I hear Frozone, I I only can hear the "Where is my super soup? Why do you need to know?" <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh love frozen <laughs> but we get uh we get smacked out of this <laughs> out of that mindset pretty quick when eris uh, catches up and proceeds to kick punch and gag farah with his fire which is a wildly unpleasant experience until guess who bat boys bat boys <laughs> <laughs> Pharaoh <laughs> utilizes the distraction of Cass and Az arriving to free herself from Eris's grasp and cools him down with a little dose of I'm high lady and lets herself embrace the happiness that she feels at the fact that these two, Cass and Az, are healed and they're well. Cass carries Pharaoh and Lucian nuzzles up <laughs> Lucian nuzzles up with Az on the flight back the night court <laughs> as they head back to the townhouse because Farah has someone waiting for her there. Uh, mm. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment you waited for. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. This okay, this episode goes from like uh like one chapter's like Aw, they're reunited to, okay, there's a lot going on, to what the fuck is going on? (laughs) Yeah, each chapter escalates, like, my chapter is so tense and awkward, like, throughout the entire thing. There's, like, no moments of, like, love. So let us enjoy chapter 14 and bask in the uh, love and and romantic (sighs) ambiance. This episode, or this episode, this chapter, chapter 14, is is probably one of my top five favorite chapters in the entire series. I agreed. love this chapter. It is so sweet. It gives me butterflies. It's everything I want in their reunion. And I mm-hmm. live, I live for every second of it. 
And it starts oh, off yeah. so strong in chapter 14. Thera is back in the townhouse in Valaris. She is smelling the river, feeling the warmth, and just, like, soaking in this essence of home. Like, it's just home. I have goosebumps. It's like, can you just imagine that that feeling? It's almost like, I think I have goosebumps because, like, I'm about to go home and spend time at home for the first time in two and a half years, <laughs> like surrounded by all my people and even my people that aren't from home are going to be there. Like you, you and Riley, it's just, <laughs> I can, you know, it's, it's not as luxurious as the fantasy version of her being like ripped out of the spring court and fighting for her life to get back to her mate, but it's close. I'm going to Minnesota. You know. <laughs> potatoes, potatoes. It's fine. It's, it's all the same basically thing. the same. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like I just think this is such a sweet moment and mm-hmm. and this is before Reese even comes <gasps> so I know she yeah and she remembers um, she remembers as she's like basking in this she's like oh yeah Lucian is here and and then looks to see as Cass and Moore are, are, are all like watching him like a hawk and <laughs> Lucian is like dumbstruck. All he says is, "There are children laughing in the streets." In surprise, quote, almost as if he hadn't heard it in a long, long time. And he this probably hasn't. So <laughs> sad. The poor guy has suffered so long in the Spring Court, and this is just one more tally against the spring court it has this pretty exterior but like deep down shit's been going on for a long time oh yeah ugly on the inside and then amarin arrives looking as beautiful and terrifying as always and lucian simply i mean lucian's a terrified of her um but lucian goes on to ask what is this place and okay this next part, I'm just going to read it straight from the book. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> what is this place? Lucian asked. We all looked at him. Home, I said. This is my home. I could see the details now sinking in. The lack of darkness. The lack of screaming. The scent of the sea and citrus. Not blood and decay. The laughter of children. That indeed continued. The greatest secret in Perithian's history. This is Valaris, I explained. The city of starlight. His throat bobbed. And you are High Lady of the Night Court. Indeed she is. <laughs> oh my god! It's race. Bring it in. She Instant continues. <clears throat> yeah, my blood stopped at the voice that drawled from behind me, at the scent that hit me, awoke me. My friends began smiling. I turned. Rhysand leaned against the archway into the sitting room, arms crossed. Wings nowhere to be seen, dressed in his usual immaculate black jeans and pants. Black jacket and pants. And those violet eyes met mine, and that familiar half-smile faded. 
My face crumpled. A small, broken noise cracked from me. Reese was instantly moving, but my legs had already given out. The foyer carpet cushioned the impact as I sank to my knees. I covered my face with my hands while the past month crashed into me. Reese knelt before me, knee to knee. Gently. He pulled my hands away from my face. Gently. He took my cheeks in his hand and brushed away my tears. I didn't care that we had an audience as I lifted my head and beheld the joy and concern and love shining in those remarkable eyes. Neither did Reese as he murmured, my love, and kissed me. I'd no sooner slid my hands into his hair than he scooped me into his arms and stood in one smooth movement. I pulled my mouth from his, glancing toward a pallid Lucian, but Reese said to our companions without so much as looking at them, Go find somewhere else to be for a while. (laughs) (laughs) That entire passage has me. Like, this entire chapter is just a really long time of foreplay that Mm -hmm. really gets me going. It is, but like, I'm so glad that that it like builds up to it because I can't even imagine like I I love her reaction of the fact that she doesn't like run and jump into his arms. She's so overcome with like seeing him that she literally just like collapses. That is And then him like <sighs> rushing over to her and like being down on the ground with her and like oh god. This is it's just another one of the reasons why I love Reese so much he's just like he's always there for her even when always. he probably just wants to bang her brains out right then and there he's like yeah we're gonna like do this this way first yeah i love it yeah and he's always or they always meet each other where they're at that that's like mm-hmm. their unspoken rule yes. but it's beautiful so he has her in his arms, and he doesn't even look to see if they left, and he winnows them upstairs. And she said, <laughs> do you want to go over what happened in the spring court? And she's looking at his face, and he has no amusement. Nothing but that predatory intensity focused on my every breath. And he says... <laughs> There are other things I'd rather do first. And mm-hmm. that, Tamlin, is how it's yeah. supposed to be freaking done. Yeah, you don't grill and interrogate her after she's been gone and just treat her like a spy. Like, she's also your lady. Like, you bang her brains out and then you talk about what happened. <laughs> yep. Priorities, people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and. Jeez. <laughs> And I think, like, that emotion, and again, we're not trying, we don't, we kind of inherently compare the two, but this is, this right. is obviously, like, SJM put this in there to be compared to Tamlin. Like, that's the only reason Farah asked that question, is because she's like, yes. it's like all she knows at this point, to an extent. Mm-hmm. And, oh yeah, Farrah, like, she, sure. it, I imagine she has, like, this visceral experience of, like, holy shit, uh, this is this is my person, and my person is like I'm more important than what the information I found. And they share this this 
pure embrace, just looking and touching and it's like they can't get enough of each other and they're like trying to convince themselves <laughs> that they're actually together. And I, ah, it's just so beautiful. It's so, it makes my heart swell. It makes my chest feel full. It's so sweet. Yeah. It's so wholesome. Like they're just <laughs> so damn happy to see each other again. Like, Oh, so oh my pure. God. I, I love their reunion. Oh, and in this beautiful embrace, Reese kind of starts admitting, like, kind of like, it's like, I thought you were gone when the bond went silent. And he was searching, as he was searching for her, he he saw that the spring court was, in fact, falling to shambles, just as she planned. And, and I love this part. Uh, he asked about Ianthe's hand, and Pharaoh was like... <laughs> She fell. Blink, blink, blink. <laughs> and he just I love smiles. how he was so amused. Yeah, yeah, he's like so amused by that. <laughs> oh my God. He's They're like, so cruel. He's like, I, he's like, I flew over the spring court and it basically just said, Pharaoh was here. LOL. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and. So Reese must have reached out to Cass in his mind because Reese stiffened and because Cass sent him an image and kind of like a replay of what happened on the ice with Eris and Reese obviously is not okay with that. Eris is going to have a, a an end that's deserving of everything he did. I think we know that that, unless he has some sort of redemption, we'll see. Um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but, but Reese also saw how Farah declared herself as High Lady, and he was he was he kind of just stated like, "You said you were High Lady," and she was like, "Was I not supposed to?" And he said, "I've wanted to roar it from the rooftops of Valaris from the moment the priestess anointed you. How typical of you to upend my grand plans." <laughs> they're so cute they're so cute and and again this like banter always results in (laughs) yes this banter like always results in their fun and like it's basically their foreplay they're gonna they're gonna have sex if they're like bantering like that you know and naturally he looks down at her lips and need Mm -hmm. fills both of them and she just asks, where are my sisters? And I'm like, okay, I need you two to just stop talking about anything else and just do it. I, that is what I need right now. I, I know it's what they need. So let's do everyone a favor and just shut up. Just stop talking <laughs> and just do it. Right, like, we don't need to ask about your sisters. They didn't give a shit about you for so many years. Like, they'll be fine for ten more minutes. Like, Yep, yep. Or two hours. <laughs> Whatever you need. It's fine. Or two hours. I don't know, they do, they do it pretty quick, this chapter. <laughs> they do, actually. And But he's like, okay, okay. So okay like a, after safe. your delight. Yes. 
Yes. Um, so he explains, he's like, okay, fine. They're, they're safe. Um, as in Cass, they're safe. And everyone's safe. And, but then she finds out that Reese was like filling Az's shoes and like doing spy work. And she's like, you did what? (laughs) And that, but then she decides, okay, I'm not going to be mad about this. I'm not mad about this. I'm home. I'm not, not just home in Valaris, but you know, wherever he is, that's wherever their family is. That's their, that's her home. And she again is just like basking in that realization that she's home and it just absolutely destroys me. It's so pure. It's so happy. It's too happy. Shit's about to go down. You you know it's about to go down when this happy shit happens. Um But again, I'm like, just just yeah, do it. She's... Please, 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 please. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do love though. I do love her like moments of internal recognition. Oh my god, her recognizing cannot speak tonight. Uh, like just the like importance and the weight of like her actually being back home and like that she missed it because she hasn't really like been away since she got there. Okay. All right. Slight technical difficulties right there. Um, (laughs) We're back. Um, (laughs) Essentially, what I was getting at was that she was, Pharaoh was feeling a little frustrated or like, not even frustrated, scared that Reese was taking on some of Az's like spy master responsibilities alone. But she takes a step back and she's like, no, that's, that's a later that's a later thought, a later problem. She's home. Not just Valaris, but with Reese. It doesn't it doesn't matter where she is physically, but where he is and where their family was, that's that's home. That is home. And I'm destroyed again. I'm just and I just <laughs> want them to be together physically. <laughs> Real bad. Yes. Let's put the, okay. Let's put your bodies together, guys. <laughs> yes, I am. Like, can you tell I'm like feeling? I feel like sexually frustrated because I'm reading fucking Crescent City, and God, <laughs> y'all didn't warn me how frustrating that bit of it would be. It's a great book. Both of the books are phenomenal, but man, just do it. Just, just I know. do it. But- do do us all a favor. <laughs> Sheesh. Girl Agreed. gotta beg. <laughs> okay. As they're embracing, they have yet again a wonderful, beautiful moment. Reese kind of strokes his claws across her mind, across her shields. And they both lower their shields and allow their minds to curl around each other. And then it begins. <laughs> He, as he kisses her essentially in all the right places, under her jaw, 
on her collarbone, all of the sexy, lovely places. Between kisses, all he says, he pulls back and says, I miss you every moment, and then kisses her. Pulls back and says, your smile, your laugh, your scent, the sounds you make when I'm inside you. Holy shit. <laughs> like I if, oh my gosh homeboy knows exactly what to say is I, all I have to say I about no Reese <laughs> he, he took the there's there's a moment in Pride and Prejudice where Mr. Darcy kisses uh, Elizabeth Bennet like because uh, he's like calling her Mrs. Darcy and she says, you can only call me that when you're completely and incandescently happy. And he'll like, he like kisses her on her forehead and he says, Mrs. Darcy. And then her cheek, Mrs. Darcy. And like, he's like giving her, Reese took that moment and like amplified it by 5,000. Like, <laughs> the sounds you make when I'm inside you. Okay, the clothes are coming off at this point. We're done. We're done. We're done. He just, and then he, and then he switches right back. My brave, bold, brilliant mate. Great use of alliteration there. (laughs) As smooth as ever, he snaps his fingers and snaps the oil, dirt, all the gunk off of her and warms a bath. And he proceeds to watch Every second with just an unfaltering gaze on every inch of her as she undresses, washes certain areas longer than others, <laughs> steps out, and they are both showing the restraint of a god. And this For is real? some intense this is some intense foreplay, and they're not even touching. Hmm. You can cut that tension with a knife. This is like again the restraint of a god but it like the payoff of that restraint is unmatched there's no way mm-hmm. i don't know about you i've never been that restraint i don't have i don't have restraint <laughs> definitely not no the second i'm turned on i'm like let's go to the bedroom <laughs> close it <her> off <laughs> And this is I feel like this is really only something you see in books. I feel like most people yes. like when they want to do it, like you have mostly physical foreplay. But I don't know, I I like this. Yes. This would be this would be a interesting to implement. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> take notes, take notes. Mm-hmm. And they they walk towards the bed and she drops the towel. And again, he just <sighs> he comes up to her. And he's teasing her at this point. And he said, I could start here as he traced her breast or here (laughs) as he traced a line up her neck to her mouth and then proceeded to put his finger in her mouth. So (laughs) there is something about that action. Mm hmm. That makes me absolutely feral. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have same though. <laughs> completely unhinged. Completely unhinged. Game over. 
You won. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then he says, or here, as he trails a finger all the way down to her clit and then directly inside of her. And I cannot, I cannot get over this because he looks <laughs> straight in the eyes and just says, well, where shall I begin? Farah, darling. Oh my god. And then at that point I'd be like, you don't even need to. I just came, Reese. <laughs> I just came. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. Oh my god. He needs to teach a master class in like in like verbal foreplay. This is so it's perfect. It's like not too much. It's like just enough. It's that confidence of like, I know your body so well and I'm just gonna stand here and explore it like and take my sweet ass time. It's so seductive, and I love it. (laughs) And then, okay, there are two (laughs) things that every every everyone loves, right? Everyone loves to an extent, like you just said, the perfect play of confidence and teasing, and just like the "I know what I'm doing," and you love it, and I love it, and we all love it. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the like unhinged feral version that everyone also loves and this happens the second she Farah brings his hand to her heart and looks at him and says you're mine and that snapped whatever restraint he had his clothes boom gone and and they went from like sweet little foreplay to like they're going (laughs) They are ravaging each other's mouths and they're pushed up against the bed and she lays back and bears herself to him, him to her, and she finally, like, pleads his name and he answers. But again, it's like, they had that, like, moment of, like, unhinged feral and now they're back in this sweet, like, embrace. Like, they're making love at this point because he anchors their hands together, nudges her legs apart and, like, is gently thrusting into her but it's like there's just so much love in this act there's so much (laughs) love it's not it's like cusping between like making love and fucking and it's like that perfect they're edging on everything sexy about everything it's yeah there's like a there's enough desperation there like that you're right. It's not just like sweet, like I'll make love to you. <laughs> like there's still <laughs> there's uh, still a little bit of that like grit to it, where it's like we need each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, and as they moved and with each endearment, each moan, the mating bond grew brighter and clearer. And when their mating bond was shining brilliantly. Her release found her, and she dragged her fingers down the sensitive inside of his wing, and he followed. Mm. And I think I think this scene is so much more sweet and intimate and almost like like both desirable and relatable because it's not him making her come twenty times. It's, it's literally, like, just this physical, emotional meshing of the two of them in, in the most 
perfect way. And he, again, it just, it comes to this wonderful peak and he kisses her tattooed palm and says the sweetest dang thing. (laughs) I missed you. Every second, every breath. Not just this, but talking to you, laughing with you. I missed having you in my bed, but I missed having you as my friend even more. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh my God. That is so beautiful. (laughs) Again, he knows exactly what to say. Like, that is so perfect. Because truly, like, I always say this about relationships in general, romantic relationships, like the most important aspect of your romantic relationship has to be your friendship or like, you're going to have some issues. Like, and I mean, they have the physical chemistry down, but like they're friends, like, like they're each other's best friends. Like I, I love that so much. I love that it's included. Like Sarah J Moss included that, like, yeah, they, they fuck each other, but like, they're also like deeply connected. Right. Oh my God. Mm. My heart is so full. And now let's deflate it with chapter 15. Chapter 15 and chapter 16. There we go. Okay. So this next scene is tense and awkward as hell. (laughs) Farah and Reese come downstairs after their romp in the sheets and I am living for the dynamic that happens here where Cassian just, like, looks at them knowingly and, like, smirks at them. And Az just, like, kicks him under the table, like, dude. And he, like, looks at Az, like, oh, I wasn't going to say anything. Like, I just love the, <laughs> the, like, bromance that they have going on. And, like, this aspect of them just makes them so, like, lovable and just gives them more, like, realistic qualities. Like, you can picture, like your, like, guy friends are, like... Like, I could see, like, you know, like, people we know, like, doing something like this. Like, it just makes them that much more relatable. I, I love them. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. So, Cass and Az have been guarding Lucian downstairs while Farah and Reese are having their reunion. And moment. <laughs> their brief moment. Um, and... Lucian is, like, clearly looking at Pharaoh with, like, disgust. Like, he's disgusted by the scent of their bond. Like, he's disgusted at their wedding bands. Like, just the whole thing is putting him off. And I will say that in this moment, Pharaoh does, like, go back to, like, the moment before they came downstairs. And they put each other's rings back on. And she was like, I think I'm going to put your ring in the Weaver's Cottage so you have to go retrieve it. And I... I I love that and I would love to see that as a chapter. Like just that toss be... it down to Briaxis and be like, Go yeah. bye. <laughs> bye bye. Have fun. Go go fetch. Call me when you come home. Oh my god. Cassie would be like, bro, I'm not going to help you. Cassie would be like, fuck you, I'm out. <laughs> I don't deal with Briaxis. <laughs> um so Pharaoh like has conflicting feelings as she's seeing Lucian and like through the whole theme throughout this with Lucian is like he's like the odd man out right like he clearly doesn't belong here and he's trying to put this all together but Pharaoh's like looking at Lucian and is like I mean I hate that we're treating him this way because he's my friend 
but also like their relationship is like super strained at this point. Like we know all of the shit that was going down in the spring court and then their weirdness during their journey through the autumn court too. So they have a lot to work through. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Reese informs Lucian that Elaine has been kept safe and secret in the house of wind. And he also tells him that he was in love with Farah long before she reciprocated it. And Lucian's reply is gut-wrenching. Quote, How fortunate that you got what you wanted in the end. Uh. Oof. Yeah. Neep. And, like, I can't help it. Like, I do sympathize with Lucian, though. Like, he... It must be so hard to, like, to have lost the woman that he loved, and then he's stuck with shithead Tamlin, and then, like, he... He meets Farah, who like is his friend. He thinks that she's in love with his friend, and he's like, "Cool, like we're gonna be like a little fam. Things are gonna be okay." And then like all of this stuff happens, and then he finds out his mate is engaged to someone else. Like I just feel like he just has shit hand after shit hand. Like he really he's does. Not com- yeah, he's not completely innocent in it, but you no, know. but he still really like gets shit on over and over again he he does he does poor lucian so reese explains further saying that he knew pharaoh was his mate but he was willing to let her marry another male if that is what made her happy but he was not about to let her wither away and when tamlin physically hurt pharaoh and locked her up that's where he drew the line and reese's power at this point fills the room his ring his wings rip free and he lets lucian know that pharaoh might have forgiven him and tamlin but he will never forget the feeling of sensing her terror like lucian i feel like will never be good in his book (laughs) because of what happened and reese is just like he's just so protective and i adore this because she deserves to have someone fight for her and, you know, kind of let Lucian know, like, that's not okay. What happened? Mm-hmm. If you want to be here, we we have a different standard here. Right. That it's not okay. It will never happen again. And I will also never forget that you were willing, like, no matter how good of a friend you are to her, like, I will never forget this. And understand, I mean understandable on his end for that like (laughs) farah is his is his mate like if anyone ever hurt riley i don't know if i could ever even be friends with them like right so yeah i I get it so the bat boys stalk over ever protective and sympathetic towards farah and in this moment she's like wait did i i don't think i told them about what happened in the spring court And she looks at them and they are like pissed. They're snarling like they are upset. And she's like, oh, my God, I never told them that. But they know now. And the descriptions of them are spot on. Again, Sarah J. Moss is not when it comes to details and like character things. She she is so good at putting in details that are so appropriate for each character. Fury rippling from Cassian cold rage seeping from Azrael. Like, it's just exactly how I picture 
both of, of them exhibiting any kind of anger. <laughs> mm-hmm. True. God. So good. She's brilliant. So Lucian, dumb, beautiful idiot Lucian, does not back down. And <laughs> God. And Reese is like, look, you're in a similar situation that I was in now with Elaine. So I really hope that you have some understanding here and you change your tune. But Reese lays down the law and he's like, you keep your fucking mouth shut. If you look at Pharaoh with disgust like that again, I will rip your throat out. And I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. I love this so much. Absolutely. Oh my God. Like, don't even, don't ever look at her like that again. God. I, I this is shit we live for on this podcast. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, Farah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who did this to you? I'll rip your throat out. <laughs> I will burn the world for you. All quotes that we love. <laughs> like those could never be repeated enough like that like good girl anything like that authors cannot put that in their books enough i will never get sick of reading yeah. those lines. i don't care how Agreed. many times i read it, it never gets old <laughs> never ever ever <laughs> so farah invites lucian to the house of wind to visit elaine and once they land at the house of wind lucian is like admiring the view um, and Ferris having this like full circle moment as she like sees Cassian and Reese, like, cause they like go in to like wait for them to let them have their moment. And she's like looking at them inside and she's like, Oh my God, this is like the first place I ever met the inner circle. And like, I'm bringing Lucian here and like, like these people are like my family now. And I just love, again, love the full circle moments that we get of her, like, coming back home and her, like, having a home and a family now. <laughs> just warms my heart. So sweet. And Lucian is in awe as he surveys Valaris. And he tells her that it's not really what he expected. And Farah thinks that he's talking about the land because he's, like, looking at the lands. But he's actually talking about, like, the inner circle, like the people of Valaris, the people of the night court. And so Farah just kind of takes this opportunity to have a moment with her friend and to just tell him her story and Reese's like her and Reese's story. And then Reese comes out and he gives him the bare bones cliff notes version of his story too. And Lucian tells Farah like, I've seen Reese do really horrible shit. And so it's really hard for me to believe that it was all a facade. But like looking around me right now, I can't help but like believe him and believe you guys. Um, and Lucian can like see the love between Reese and Farah as well as the inner circle who he has spent his entire life hating all of them, including <laughs> Amran, who we learned <laughs> was a bedtime story to make Lucian behave, quote, she would drink my blood and carry me to hell. <laughs> like, if he misbehaves. 
Um, but he says she seems more like a cranky aunt, which is like the perfect description of Amran. <laughs> yes. She's that aunt that never had kids and she's like not impressed by children. She's just like, kids are sticky and gross. Like I'm going to give you a crisp 20 for Christmas and like, don't interact with me. Like I don't need any, <laughs> like that's Amran. Like, <laughs> yep. Um, but like, I just love that so much. She's a cranky aunt. <laughs> perfect. Oh my god, Aaron, the cranky aunt that drinks blood. <laughs> Lucian is flabbergasted by the fact that Reese lives in a townhome, which honestly is really, truly insane was, when you think bizarre. about it. He's basically a king who lives in a like a condo. <laughs> things are like so casual there's no real like political mumbo jumbo and he has this touching moment almost where he like tells Farah that he hates that he's the villain in her story and that must have been like a really hard pill for him to swallow of realizing like he actually was part of the problem and like he wasn't aware of it for a long time but like becoming aware of it. I mean, it's kind of like when you realize you have like inherent bias or prejudices and like having to face that stuff like head on and actually change from there. Like, I feel like he's kind of having that kind of a, of a moment. And right. And I feel like that's like, you have to go through all of the stages of like <laughs> acceptance and grief and anger. <laughs> you do. You, you like truly really do. Like I, I like look back on things I said and did when I was like hardcore, like super duper Christian. And like, now I look back on it now and I'm like, Oh my God. Like, I hate that. I, I hate that about myself. Like I hate that. I ever even thought that cause I'm so different now, but like, mm-hmm. that's just part of growth and journey. Like the important thing is acknowledging, you know, your downfall and then apologizing and making things better and changing and, and Lucian does end up doing that, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also kind of freaking out a little bit because let's not forget his her sister is his mate, and uh, they haven't met yet, really. And so she tells him, "Look, Reese has only told Elaine that your High Lord's son serving in the Spring Court," and she's like, "I'm going to go in and see my sisters first, which I'm so glad that she does this." Because I was getting honestly mad that she even asked him to come in the first place. I'm mm-hmm. like, he he doesn't even need to be a part of this equation. Like, jeez. So they go in and they find Nesta in the family library. And on the way there, like, Farrah can feel the tension, like, rippling from Cass. And she's like, God, what the fuck has my sister, like, been doing to this guy? Like... I don't know what's been going on between them, but it hasn't been good. And <laughs> I I love this moment when they walk into the library and they see Nessa curled up with a book and she's just like in her own little bubble. She doesn't she's not interacting with anyone else and she's just herself. And then she looks up and notices them and instantly they can see the walls just like come up. And I feel like this is our first moment of actually seeing Nesta, you know, like I'm sure moments like that for Cassian are like, oh, like she's in there somewhere behind all the barbed wire and the brambles and the guard dogs and 
<laughs> with like chain link fences. She's in there. She's in there. Jeez. And all I have to say is Nessa is a fay hottie, y'all. Uh Farah is like, damn, my sister was beautiful before, but holy shit, as Faye, she's like devastatingly beautiful. Like I love that description of her where she just has this like ethereal grace about her and she's she's Nessa has a very like statuesque beauty about her. I I I love she does. That That's a good her. way to put it. Mm-hmm. Like Elaine is soft and and Nessa just is like she's cold as stone but she's looks like Michelangelo sculpted her out of marble essentially. I love I love the idea of that. Um and oh, we we get full dose Nesta, and I am like I forgot how much of a bitch she is. Like I forgot this. She's awful. So she's bad, y'all. It's bad. It's bad. So she just looks at Farah, who she hasn't seen since she was turned into Hi Fay, and she just says, "You're back," and then doesn't even wait for her to respond looks at cassian and it's just like what do you want oh like cassian didn't even say anything to her he's just existing in the same room as her and that i feel like that just goes to show you how how she does have feelings for him because if she didn't she wouldn't have even bothered saying that to him <laughs> yeah she's she's just trying to push him away at this point i feel like oh for sure so she has changed physical forms, but she's still she's still mean old Nesta. She's like like a angry cat. And Nesta <laughs> strikes <laughs> asking if she can return to her book. And I love this so fucking much. Cassian walks over to her and picks up her book and he's like romance really i'd never thought you'd be the romance type and she just ignores him which is classic nesta uh like that's just what she does and she's honestly nesta is shocked that farah accomplished her task in the spring court as farah's like yeah like i'm back i did it the spring court's in shambles and i auntie's hand is smashed to bits uh, I made her suffer, but it wasn't enough. And we're all like, say it louder. Ianthi deserves to like Preach. burn for all eternity. Yeah. <laughs> so Nessa asks Pharaoh why she's here. Again, so nasty. And Pharaoh's just like, I just wanted to check in with you guys. Like, I don't know if you remember, but like the last time we saw each other, like you were pointing your finger at the King of Highburn. You had like some crazy powers going on in your eyes. Like we learned that Lucian's Elaine's mate. And then like, I was tragically ripped away from you all. We haven't had contact. Um, That's just a quick synopsis of maybe why I'm here to check in on you, sister. Like, Her attitude is so bad. Oh, God. I hate that we have to deal with this before we get to who she really is. This is so terrible. I know. So Nesta lashes out and she's basically just like, what do you want me to say? Like, thank you. I'm high fae now. Like, I just have to accept my fate at this point. 
And her, I mean, her words are just like dripping with ire. I mean, she's just like basically like spewing venom at this point. Like she's just awful. And she's super sarcastic. And she's just like, why do I care? Uh, this is great. I get to be young and hot forever. And I don't have to deal with fuckboy humans across the wall anymore. So yay. Like that's basically what she says. <laughs> yeah. And- so yay me. And she's- awesome. Super excited. <laughs> Good talk. Um, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> Uh, kindly uh, fuck you <laughs> that's like basically what she's saying uh, in, in sister speech I feel like the only sisters have the true ability to be that passive aggressive with each other and she's basically just like you guys don't need to worry about me you need to be worried about freaking Elaine and she reveals how depressed Elaine has been like she hasn't left her room she hasn't been eating she hasn't been drinking and Reese immediately is like on the defensive because he's like, I told you to act, to like ask if you guys needed something or if something wasn't right. And Nessa is just like, I'm not accepting your help. Like, we've got this. It's fine. We don't need you. Which is which is so stupid hell. because it's like you should be worried. You should be worried about Elaine. And then when they're like, okay, what we what can we do? Nessa's like nothing you can't help us like you can't right. you can't point fingers at the people who are trying to help you while simultaneously refusing all help from the people who are trying to help you that is narcissism and manipulation one-on-one oh for sure and also how selfish of you like if there's anyone that can help elaine within the inner circle like maybe give it a try like let's at least try it like maybe we try and get a garden going for her or like you know like something like just her sitting in her room and you going to mother hen her is clearly not working Nesta like let's workshop another solution yeah so Farrah reveals that Elaine's mate is here and Nessa is like he's not her mate no way don't even call him that and she threatens them and this is Another reason I love Cassian. She's basically just like, if you if you bring him to Elaine, I'll... And Cassian's like, baby girl, you can talk all the shit you want, but you won't train. You won't talk about your powers. You're not going to do anything. Like, your threats are empty. Like... <laughs> he's, I love and that. And he's right. Call her out. I do too. Call her out. And that that's why they work so much, because he calls her out on her bullshit. And she needs um, that. She needs she needs harsh reality checks bad. So Feyre reassures Nessa that she's not going to let Lucian near Elaine if she doesn't want to see him. And Nessa finally concedes and then basically just ignores them, which again is trademark Nessa. And as they're leaving, Feyre is like looking at her sister. And first of all, I can't even imagine just like looking at your sibling who's just ignoring you and is in so much pain that they're She's basically like a wounded animal, right? Like that you see on the side of the road, you try to help and they're like feral and snapping at you because they're in pain and they don't know that you're trying to help them. Except Nesta knows that everyone's trying to help them help her. (laughs) But like, didn't not only do we have that moment, we have Farah, our beautiful observant Farah, looking over at Cassian, who's looking at Nesta. And 
she notes just the sadness and the longing in his eyes. Like, I can't remember at this point if he knows that they're mates or not, but like, I don't, I think he's so no, but like, he's probably like Reese initially where he can feel like there's some kind of a connection here. Like I feel something for this woman and she's like, he's gets these little glimpses. Like when they walk into the library and he's like, Oh, like this is like her. And then she's gone. Like, yeah. And I feel like that would be so hard in a world of mates. When you like before the mating bond is solidified, right? Like we, like when Reese was explaining, like, oh, I suspected. Like you don't actually know. So, like, at what point are you like, okay, like something's there? Is it just like little butterflies? Is it? But like in his scenario, like what else? I'm sorry. At this point, what else would make him look at her like that? Because exactly, I can't. She hasn't given him any good reasons. <laughs> no. Like, she he should despise her at this point. <laughs> God. Um, so they make their way to Elaine's room. <laughs> but- I was going to say, between Rusty and Ruby, they are a noisy bunch here tonight. <laughs> they are noisy tonight. I love Rusty's ear, ear flappies. Rusty's ear flappies, yep. And then his, like, he gets, like, close to the microphone and, like, smacks his mouth. Did you hear that earlier? (laughs) The other night, I was recording an intro for uh, one of the episodes, because I did all three at once. And Ruby, (laughs) there's a moment, because usually when I hit record, he gets up and starts walking around. And I can't record it, because you can hear the clickety-clack of his paws on the floor. And (laughs) he's snoring so loud. (laughs) <laughs> the second I hit record it's just like and then you could hear like his paws like scritch, scritch on the floor. I'm like oh my god Ruby like all night you've been fine and then I decide to do 10 minutes of recording and this is what I get he's throwing me the stink guy right now I'm sorry but that's about right oh yeah <laughs> we love them mm-hmm. <sighs> okay so they make their way to Elaine's room where she's sitting in hollow silence Elaine is not the Elaine that we last saw. She is pale and thin, and she still has her iron engagement ring on. And Elaine is just like an empty shell. And Farah says hello. And Elaine is just like, I want to go home. And they keep engaging with her, and she keeps saying she wants to go home and that she was supposed to get married next week. And this is classic Farah, but also classic just main character energy in general. Like, I hate that Farah feels so guilty for this. Like, it's like it's her fault that her sisters got turned into Faye. Like, I understand that because she involved them in the meetings, like, she put them at risk. But, like, this was because Ianthe and Tamlin betrayed them. Like, this is not her fault. And they also agreed to be involved on their own. Like they accepted the risks of being involved with these meetings. Mm-hmm. They sure did. And so I just, I hate that she feels so bad about this. Oh, as Farah turns around, 
she sees Lucian in the doorway. And I'm like, who the fuck let him in? Like, they're supposed to be guards. Like, what? How did he just wander in there and no one heard him? Right. Um, and she can tell by his face that he heard everything. And Farah's heart just like crumbles at the thought of her sister, like gentle, sweet, strong, beautiful, bright Elaine being just so empty and dull. And that is how we end this chapter i i like can't get over what the cauldron has done to her and i think that i don't know i think it really goes to show how strong Thera is for being made you know just like the other two are and but like she went through a hell of a lot And she was able, you know, she was able to still at least do day-to-day things. Obviously, she was horrible for a really long time in the spring court, but, like, she was still functioning. Ish. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, it's just... Yeah, but she was able to, like... But she also kind of had to, you know? I guess Nesta and Elaine don't really have that... um, don't really have that pressure. They're not, you know, they, they can sit in the library. They can sit and, and just process and go through that without having to go through the mundane everyday tasks of being a high Lord's basically wife, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They don't, they don't have a purpose or a role within Prithian. Like sure. Their sister's there, but like they haven't really, I mean, farah has been gone for, like, a year, and they saw her intermittently. But, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's like moving to a new town and you don't know anyone, and you don't have a job, you don't have anything going on, you're just there. I would also yeah. probably be, like, well, I'd be eating chocolate and reading in the library. But, like, they've gone through, like, a traumatic event. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it right. is crazy that how much it has destroyed Elaine yeah so chapter 14 was a wonderful reunion chapter 15 was a less wonderful not wonderful reunion um chapter 16 feels like we just got shoved into a war tent and we're trying to figure out what the fuck is going on yeah that pretty much like that accurately sums it up (laughs) (laughs) they're like okay reunions are done let's talk we have to talk about yeah. literally everything in six pages, eight pages. We're going to discuss everything we learned while you were at the spring court. And we're going to talk about it. And then Amber is going to have to try to summarize it somehow. So here we go. <laughs> you got Good luck this. keeping up with this shit. So <laughs> Reese and Farah showed Lucian to his room. They gave him the courtesy of new clothing and time to rest and bathe. Um, while still ensuring him that you're not a prisoner, but you can't go near Nesta and Elaine until given the okay. You're free to go about in the city. You're free to do whatever you want. And, you know, Reese can't help but taunt him a little bit. And, Again, I'm I'm back to the I'm feeling a little bad for Lucian boat. <laughs> yeah. But you know he, this is they basically what it is. 
They basically Nesta him because they're like, you can use the 10,000 stairs to get to Valar's. <laughs> but they're like, don't bring Nesta or Elaine with you. And Lucian's probably like, well, I'm not going to fucking bring Nesta anywhere with me. And secondly, Elaine is like non-responsive right now. Was he going to drag her down the stairs? Like, yeah. What? Right? Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I guess Jesus. the mating bond makes you desperate, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So the rest of them, Cass, As, Moore, Reese, Farah, they all fly to Amryn's loft. And <laughs> Amryn's in a mood, so you know shit's about to get spicy. <laughs> and they come back and Amryn's like, uh, Baron and the other autumn douchebags should just be killed and, quote, the handsome one should be High Lord. <laughs> and she just says it like without even looking up from the shit she's doing. She's like, just kill them all. It's fine. The handsome one will be a fine High Lord. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's so sure. true. Yeah. It's, I mean, I yeah. agree with her. <laughs> Jesus. And then they're like, they're all kind of talking and they're like, eh. The handsome one is probably trying to see his mate as he's alone in the House of Wind with Nesta and Elaine. Ah, but that conversation opens up a can of worms. And it opens up the conversation and turns to Cass. And Farrah's kind of asking, like, so you offered to, like, train Nesta? Like, and clearly there's a lot of tension between everyone on this topic. Because... Cass is, like, frustrated because of Nesta. Moore obviously doesn't like Nesta, doesn't like the way Nesta treats Cass. And As is, like, uncomfortable because Moore is uncomfortable. It's just, like, this shitty ripple effect. <laughs> and I'm like, leave it to Nesta. to think about it. <laughs> I'm like, leave it to Nesta to just, like, make these waves in the inner circle. It's and like they were fine the and conversation, happy and content for so many years. And Nessa comes yeah. in and just... <laughs> boom. <laughs> and the conversation... So the conversation shifts. And Amryn is, like, snipping at everyone about being in her loft. And she's annoyed as hell that she's being monitored with the book. But they're, they're all like, hey, listen. I'm just here to keep an eye on this creepy book. Um... Because since the two parts of the book have been joined together, it now talks. And it's creepy as hell. And as Farah walks yeah. in, the book murmurs, Hello, sweet-faced liar. Hello, princess with... And Amron's just like, oh, be quiet. It just likes to hear itself talk. Like most of the people cramping up my apartment. <laughs> I love her sass so much. She's and, like, and a, I didn't invite any of you guys over here. She's like the ultimate she's introvert. Like, she's like, yes, she's like, <laughs> kindly, and not even kindly. She just like blatant, blatantly looks at these people and are like, why is this yipping pack of mutts in my house? Out. Get out. And this is, like, tolerant for Amryn, right? She's, like, tolerating these people. But Cass just smirks, and he just says, Did someone forget to feed Amryn again? (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. They're perfect. Oh, God. (laughs) And, okay, this is where the conversation turns serious, and we get a 
huge information dump. So Reese states mm-hmm. that the information that Farah gathered about Hybrin's forces was the confirmation that they needed. They start thinking about and start talking about there are three very large territories that may or may not join Hybrin's forces, and they realize that they desperately need more allies. Okay? That statement is like a page and a half summing up a ton of details that I'm not going to go into. Um, you don't need to. Because yeah. they're like the names of the territories and like, I feel like that's something that like could play in like future books is like these other territories, because why else would we like specifically name what these territories are? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, good point. It's a good but, point. So with these territories, they may or may not join Hybern. So as went to the island, went to scope out the island where Miriam and, um, how do you say his name? Draken. Draken. Um, where they were living secretly. It was a secret island that basically only the inner circle knew about. So as went there and to, to search for Draken, Miriam and their unified human and fey people, um, the secret society, but the island was abandoned and they kind of switch and they, they, they start to talk about Miriam and she actually died in battle. But Draken knew of this secret hidden island, which housed an item of terrible power made by the cauldron itself. And it resurrected her. And this is how Miriam was made. Just like Farah. Mm-hmm. What? This, there's like, this is like some deathly hollow shit. This is like, a, this is like yes. the SJM, like, it, resurrection stone. Oh, yeah. It's like, but it's when, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, it's it's part of the cauldron, or very similar to the cauldron. So again, we're getting mm. these big, huge, extremely powerful weapons like magical weapons that just sjm likes to insert in her universes i was gonna say i feel like this could be something to like to highlight and note because we've been talking about how everything could be interconnected and i feel like noting the magical objects could be of importance when it comes to like future books you know absolutely Absolutely. Yeah, so I feel like it's like in mind. Yes. Just like Marvel, it's like the, the interdimensional <laughs> talk and mm-hmm. the like big bad weapons. You know, when when you start talking about like like Amrin from a different, you know, wherever she's from and the bone carver and the weaver, like where did they really come from? And then you get into like the other universes of like Oh, these beings came from here and these beings came from here. And it's we're all just a jump away from each other. Oh yeah. That's um it's I definitely want to have an episode where we just talk about like theories once you've finished everything. Cause I think it'd be really fun to just like deep dive into that and that alone at some point. Right. So talking about Miriam and Draken, they the inner circle kind of suspected that they fled since they realized that Hybern and Jurian, 
we all remember Jurian's involvement with this whole shit show, um, <laughs> could use the cauldron to track this sacred item because they're connected, right? Um, so <sighs> then Reese starts talking about his spy journeys to Hybern's territory. And this part makes my skin crawl because they realized that Hybern's people were just as thirsty for war as he is. And Hybern has like, it's, it's been like his big plan. He's been like facilitating this for, for so long since the wall went up. He's been creating this animosity within his people. Oh, Rusty whining. Did you hear that? Rusty's like, oh, no. He's like, no. <laughs> no, we'll Hybrid, don't do that. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Rusty, what do you have to say? <laughs> oh, my God. I love it when he licks his chops. Rusty, you're the cutest oh, damn little dog. Gosh. But like um, he is a he truly is a genius. Like he's a, he's an evil genius because he so he fueled the poverty and putrid living situation of his people. Right? He didn't expand his trade routes. He didn't allow other territories to share his land or bring their cultures to his people. Hybern had has let this these horrible situations and just lack of progression in his people in his in his cities fester and now people are completely for this war because they think the last time they were prosperous is when there wasn't a wall when they had human slaves that's what they need to become prosperous again and he is such a mad genius that he has brainwashed all of his people to think that their society is dependent on the wall coming down that Faye being restored to power and humans succumb to slavery yet again to restore their prosperous past. Ah! It's, it's, uh, it's giving me make Prithian great again vibes. Yes. <laughs> like, he's, just, he's just like using, it's almost like, you know, like he, he controls everything that these people like, take in and he, he yeah it's like this petri dish and he's created this chaotic environment and what else is there going to be other than we have to blame someone well it's the humans it's the humans and the fae that fought with them it's their fault they're the reason i mean when they were our slaves everything was great for us yeah. we're repressed so, yeah so yeah mm. making giving them that entitlement that planting that seed that is just like the lighter that the match that they needed to light that flame. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so as they're talking, you know, and this is again, they're just catching Farah up. This this shit's already been talked about. They've already kind of realized that they're a bit stuck. So the squad explained instead of recruiting these other territories for their cause, they have been planting information to each other to keep them busy butting heads with each other. They are raising their own forces, locking down their own borders, and they're so focused on protecting themselves that although they're not technically allying with Perithian, they're not allying with Hybern, 
they're allying and just focusing solely on themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, again, another brilliant move. They're keeping them oh, busy yeah. with their, with like a mix of like true and false information, just like Farah did in the spring court. That's, that's kind of the sweet spot, right? You have to feed them some truths. So they understand that you're telling, they at least have some truths, um, but then you also feed them like delicately placed lies to get them really riled up. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because if it's just straight lie, and they're not gonna. There has to be some element of underlying it. truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then further speculation found that they suspect that something may be amiss with the cauldron, because if thing one and thing two were trying to figure out where the holes were and unravel them. That's suspicious because the cauldron at full power doesn't need holes in the wall. You can just destroy the wall, right? So that's that's kind of suspicious. And this is where we get a little dicey because Farah's like sweet, sweet Farah is like, well, maybe I can help. Maybe I can repair the holes. And Amran was like, it's possible but we should get your sisters to help too. And to that, Farah immediately just said, my sisters play no part in this. Like no bullshit, no room for question. And Amarin just goes, huh, you sound exactly like Tamlin. Ooh, God. That's a low blow, Amarin. It's, it's a low blow, but like, and She's not completely wrong. Like, she should at least give her sisters the option of, like, participating, you know? Yeah, and only Amran. This is why I respect Amran so much, and I love Amran so much. Because Mm -hmm. only Amran has the call to say something like that, that frank and hurtful, to drive a point home, right? She doesn't... She doesn't say hurtful things like Nesta just to hurt someone. She's she's not that kind of person. But she will not pull her punches when she needs to say something harmful to either prove a point or to get someone to see their own bullshit. And this is the latter. And Farah, well, first of all, this pisses Mora off. Mora is like, absolutely not. Amran, you crossed a line there. Take it back. Apologize. And Amran's like, hmm. I'd like to see you make me. And it's like, and more is actually like scary in this moment, right? This is our first like, oh shit, this is, this is more. This is like the Morgan. She's scary. Um, Mm -hmm. But then Farah's like, no, no, she's right. Let's introduce the idea to them. And we'll go from there. And throughout this, the tension is so high. Amran snaps at Farah. Mora snaps at Amran. Farah snaps at Reese. Farah snaps at Amran. And I'm like, this is the first time that Farah snaps at Reese. And Reese is like mm-hmm. taken aback because she was defending Nesta. And Farah also snapped at Amran when Amran said mm-hmm. something about Elaine. And Amran mm-hmm. just like, blinks at her it was like so it was just like this very interesting i feel like there was an interesting um power shift in this conversation um that really showed because farah ultimately 
kind of made the end decision. Like, okay, this is mm-hmm. what we're going to do. Yeah. And, and her I, and Reese are the end all be all when it comes to decisions anyways. Right. Like, you know, right. So we oh. end this chapter with Reese divulging that he's like, you know what? We don't have many options. We have to go all in. We need to find as many allies in Perithian as possible. So, guess what, friends? We're going to have a meeting. We're going to have a fun little meeting in two weeks. With Everyone every, loves a meeting. With every High Lord in Perithian. Oh and God. we're going to see who will truly ally with us. And we're going to make it damn clear what the consequences are if they don't. Like, I'm sorry. They should not have an all-in-person meeting. Like, can we do a Zoom meeting so that everyone doesn't end up yeah. murdering each other? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so I we make sure that we that have survivors to fight Hybrid. <laughs> right? Jesus like, Hybrid's Christ. already going to destroy us if we're fighting from the inside. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my Atlanta. Cool. I, so that must be next week's episode. Me, is- yes, I hope so. Part of me loves that meeting. It's like a it's oh. a huge turning point, and I love it. That's the moment I truly fell in love with As. Yep. Hmm. Oh my god, we get that moment. We need to dedicate an entire t- an entire episode just to that moment. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, you have a good idea for this week. I think I think my big idea is just I think that there's a a reoccurring theme that happens. It's just like how quickly things change. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's a good lesson for real life because things can be like like you're just like walking around like la di da di da and that's like bam. In all of these books it's like shit. Yes. This is all <laughs> happening right now, and it, it needs to happen right now. You don't have any time to be happy or <laughs> enjoy being back with your family other than one sex scene, and then you're, we're back. You get one orgasm, then it's war. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah J. Moss is like, <laughs> one orgasm, battle meeting. Two orgasms, full on actual war. <laughs> like, but that's how all her books are like. And Crescent City is like that too. It's like you get like a chapter of just like they're just kind of hanging out. Like things are just like, you know, not really much is like happening. And then a chapter happens is like, bam, action, action. Things are going to hell. And then like the next chapter, everything's normal again. I'm like, yes, like, that's very true. So, that's very true. Yeah. It's such an emotional roller coaster. And I feel like none of her books were like that until, honestly, until this book, because. The first two books, it's like, we cruise our way through, and then bam, the last 10%, it's like, everything is happening. This, it's like, we get, things are happening, things have calmed down a little bit. Things are happening, things calm down. Like, it's like a, it's like a yo-yo. Yeah, it is. I, and I honestly, I like that, I like that a lot more than the cadence of the other two books. Yes, I feel like Throne of Glass, it was like the entire series was like that until you get to Kingdom of Ash. And then like it, the Kingdom of Ash is just like and then you get one your giant shit war scene. Yeah. <laughs> you get your, your life turned absolutely fucking upside down. You think I you know. Lost, 
five years of my life reading that book. I, oh my God. Oh my God. But yeah, I, I agree with you on, on all accounts of the, of the big idea this week. Agree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, that's that. Oh, that chapter 14. Gosh, big idea is that chapter 14 is a really good chapter. It's a great chapter. The oh. reunions between Reese and Farah are always worth reading and taking time oh, to acknowledge so and good. appreciate. <laughs> oh, man. So that's it for this week. Next week, make sure you read chapters 17 through 19 to be prepared for our next episode. As always, thank you so much for choosing to be a part of our book club. We appreciate your support. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at House of Wind Pod. Also, email us your theories, burning questions for the next few chapters at houseofwindpodcast at gmail.com. Everything, all this information can be found in the show notes. We will see you all next week. Stay smutty. <laughs>